Hello, folks, and welcome to the new episode of uh, Eurohoop Pod, the official Eurohoops uh, podcast. Uh, as always, this is Antonis Trogilakis, and with me is my fellow co-editor, uh, Adigon Zahari. Hello, Adigoni. Hello, Antonis. Hello, everyone. And uh, guys and girls, we are ahead of uh, a very big week in Euroleague because every week that features a Clásico, <laughs> every round that has a game between Real Madrid and Barcelona is big. It is important. It doesn't matter uh, how, how big the other matchups are because, to be honest, as I see the schedule, I don't see any you know, seriously big battles, at least in comparison with Real Madrid-Barcelona, but uh, honestly... There is no Euroleague match that can be compared with Real Madrid-Barcelona. It is the dominant game for round 26 of the Euroleague regular season. And uh, it is also a game between the two top-placed teams in the standings. Real Madrid is first right now with 23. And Barcelona is slightly below its arch-rival with 19-5. So basically, it's also a battle... Uh, not only between the two major Spanish powerhouses, these two big uh, rivals in Spain, it is also a battle that uh, could potentially be critical regarding which team is going to be to finish the regular season in the first place in the standings. Because, as we said, Real Madrid is 2-3, Barcelona is 19-5, and then the third-place team, Olivia Milano, is way behind those two. They have 15 They have a 15-7 record, so the distance is quite big, and I don't think um, that any other team can uh, stick in between Real Madrid and Barcelona and, uh, you know, uh, fight for the first place. So uh, Unless something, you know, something really happens, you know, that's the EuroLeague stuff like that happens from well, time to time, but with the... You know, we have seen some crazy right. things happening over the years, but right now, and considering uh, how serious those two teams play, I mean, they are playing really consistent, they are playing really great, and uh, we, have them, we haven't seen them really uh, falling to, to upsets this season. I mean, uh, exactly. Okay. And either way, you know, there there will be either a five or a six uh, game uh, win separate between the other teams. So, you know, it's tough to cover this uh, this ground with so few rounds left. And uh, as I said, it's not like these teams are handing out gifts to everyone. They are beating anyone. I mean, if uh, if you take as an exception, perhaps uh, the loss of uh, Barcelona at Basconia, the margin the 19 points, because yep. Basconia beat uh, Barcelona uh, 94-75, uh, then I don't see those teams, you know, uh, handing, on, handing out the defeats, uh, giving gifts to, to other teams that are serious. They are beating uh, everyone and uh, everything, and, uh, you know, they have shown the, their intentions this season, how, how big... Uh, Uh, they, they always have big goals, but now they really, really show it on court and they show it already in the regular season. Uh, sometimes you have seen uh, one of those two, you know, struggling, maybe Real, uh, for example, in the previous season, they struggled a bit in the regular season. They didn't have the home court advantage when the regular season is finished, but this season is very, very different for Real Madrid. And, and Real is very different in comparison to last season. They had several problems, players going to the NBA, etc. But This year is a completely different uh, thing. And uh, Adigoni, 
I'm going to start my questions to you with one simple, simple one, a simple question mm -hmm. that I don't, I don't think it has a simple answer. Which team is going oh. to win? Going to win? Which team is going to win? Well, uh, as you said, no, that, that is not a simple answer at all. But we have to, you know, bear in mind some factors that are pretty evident right now. For example, Real Madrid at this point has, uh, has been unbeaten at home. They have a 30-0 run at home, which uh, if you look at it and considering the way Real plays this season, it's a really tough for any team, be it Barcelona or anyone. Um, then you have, uh, you know, the morale factor because uh, Barcelona has won the previous meeting in the EuroLeague. They've won by 13 points. So if Real wants to go the extra step, they have to not only beat them, but surpass and win the tiebreaker, the possible tiebreaker. They have to win by 14 or more just to, you know, relax and sit back and the top kind of comfortably. But, uh, you know, even if that tiebreaker is not won, it's not a really huge deal. Uh, a win is a win. And at this point, of course, it, it can determine... Uh, who is going to head to get a head start into the, the standings as we we proceed to the the end of the regular season? So there's that. Um, I will have to give Real some extra motivation for the win, but you know it's Barcelona, never an easy opponent, and uh, the Clasico is known for being so tense and uh, players uh, experiencing uh, this game differently with all the nerves, uh, the anxiety and stuff. So yeah, that's, um, that's my approach. I don't know if I could give a, a simple answer to that. Well, there, are, there are some differences in comparison. You mentioned the, the game for the first leg of the regular season with uh, Barcelona won uh, easily, more or less. We have uh, Real Madrid actually has uh, brought in, in the meantime, they have brought in back uh, Gabriel Deck, who uh, unfortunately for Real fans, he will not be able to participate in the game. He will remain sidelined as far as we know. And, uh, you know, possibly we'll have to, to use uh, its other weapons, of course, to face a Barcelona team that cleared from um, big issues like, uh, you know, Kalafis is back uh, for the team, uh, Miritich has recovered, all good, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty solid uh, time for Barca. Miritich, who, by the way, uh, had scored 31 points and uh, had, he had 31 points and 10 rebounds in that game in the 93-80 win. Um, of Barcelona over Real Madrid, so we'll see if he also has in store another similar, uh, similarly big performance for this game. You mentioned Gabriel Deck's uh, absence, and yes, this is a blow for Pablo Lasso. Gabriel Deck was a player who wasn't there in the first game, and uh, it would have been uh, interesting to see if Deck would be the one to contain Nikola Mirotic's action, you know, the, the, to to, yeah. to hold back this kind of damage, the damage of the 31 points and, and the 10 rebounds and the overall dominance that Nikola Mirotic had in this game. He had also won nine 
fouls. He was unstoppable. Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid couldn't do many things. They couldn't do anything basically to stop him. And uh, he 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 did all this Nikola Mirotic in less than 30 minutes. Gabriel so you know, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Go on. Gabriel will be absent. Jeff Taylor won't be there. And uh, Adam Hanga won't be there. So Real Madrid that uh, had everyone at its disposal in the game for the first leg of the regular season, they will have to cope now without three, uh, basically without three defensive weapons, three defense-oriented uh, players. I mean, okay. This Pretty guy, big for they, a game like that. They can, do, they can do a lot of things on the floor. Uh, they can provide in other ways, uh, especially Adam Hanga. But... It's uh, it's defense uh, that is uh, their forte, if you will, and uh, Pablo Lasso will have to cover for these absences. But if anything, Real Madrid has learned over the years to to cope with absences, and uh, they have learned also to to make big results, to, to get big results despite the absences. So why not? They play at home. They have a momentum. They have been playing great overall. Barcelona, Digoni, on the other hand, they didn't have Nicolás in the, uh, the game for the first leg. They didn't have Corey Higgins. Exactly, yes. But now they don't have any problems. and uh, They're in full form now. They're in full form. Uh, they are winning. And uh, Dante Exum has, been, um, has emerged as a key factor in recent games. And uh, who knows? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. he will be a key factor in that game as well. Dante Exum had actually his uh, debut with Barcelona, uh, his Euroleague debut, his overseas debut, basically, in uh, in the Clásico against Real. He had played uh, just uh, a bit less than 13 minutes in that match. I think he will play a bit more mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. against Real. So we'll see if uh, Dante Exum becomes uh, a key player, perhaps. Uh, the hero of this game. He would get my vote for someone to look out for as a protagonist. Adigoni, if I have to ask... Makes for, sense. For the player you know, that you that you believe he would be an X factor for this game. You know, one that is not uh, among uh, the usual suspects, you know, not a star. Uh, for example, please don't tell me Nikola Mirotic. Please, please don't, don't tell me Nikola Mirotic. That is always an answer, you know. Uh, of course, you cannot rule out uh, Nikola Mirotic being the X factor, but uh, there are players to look after, and I think, especially for uh, for this game in Real's side, we have to go with Yabuzeli. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty evident that he. You know, he's in, in full form. He signed, uh, recently signed a, a contract uh, extension with uh, Real. So it shows that uh, the team trusts in him and, and uh, so I would say probably it would be him to shine in the game. Yeah, Buzele, yes. And, uh, okay, there are numerous matchups. Uh... To look out for in these games, Brandon Davis against Teddy Tavares has been really, really fun these uh, these last couple of years. Uh, one of the of the biggest individual uh, battles in these games. Uh, Adigoni, your match. So you know, yeah, uh, we actually yeah, it's tough to to concentrate in just one matchup. Uh, it, as you said, it's always a fun game to watch, and uh, the, 
the one you mentioned in particular uh, always has to give. So I'm looking forward to see that game. It's going to be even more intense than the previous ones. But, you know, you asked me a very tough question to begin the show. <laughs> so now I'm just thinking. I have a question of my own, but um, it's based on, on, you know, on some facts that we've seen, not in the EuroLeague, but in the Spanish uh, league, the Liga Endesa. Yeah. We've seen that uh, Real Madrid has been facing two defeats in a row and three defeats at home. Real, I remind that, is undefeated at home in the EuroLeague. So Real has lost to Gran Canaria, Andorra and Valencia at home. Pretty impressive. She's uh, kind of a pretty unusual. Yeah, it's kind I mean, of a paradox. Pretty unusual, yeah. Yes. So, you know, the same thing happens with uh, Barcelona. Pretty much uh, three defeats uh, at home in the Spanish league from Manresa, Basconia, and Valencia this season. So, you know, I'm just wondering: in this matchup, could be Barcelona the first team to beat? Real Madrid at home in the EuroLeague this season. Yeah, I mean, why not? If not Barcelona, then who? You know, we saw we saw other teams uh, getting close to this. Olympiacos came really close, actually last week. Right, we had a that big game actually. It was it was a huge game, a huge battle, and uh, Barcelona had to come back from a sixteen point deficit, if I remember correctly, uh, overall to. To ultimately beat Olympiacos, uh, but uh, yeah, if not Barcelona, then who? This is basically my answer to this. Uh -huh. I will give. Um, yeah, sure. Honestly, and honestly, Barcelona an advantage in this. I think they are. No, they are not the favorite, but I think uh, they have the better chances in uh, in beating Real Madrid uh, right now because. Uh, First of all, I believe that uh, in the last couple of years, because uh, mm. Barcel because Real Madrid has been uh, winning most, not all, most domestic um, titles. Of course, last year uh, Barcelona won won the the championship and uh, they won the the Copa del Rey. Yes. Real Madrid won the Super Cup uh, this year, of course. But uh, I believe that. Because Real has been dominating more or less the domestic competition mm -hmm. uh, the last uh, six years or something in Spain, uh, the last seven years, I would say, because you know before before last season's championship, uh, Barcelona had last won in 2014. It has been so long. Uh, Valencia won uh, won the championship in 2017, and that was it basically. Uh, mm -hmm. No, no other team. Uh, all the other, all the other championship titles were Real Madrid, Real Madrid, Real Madrid, Real uh, Madrid. So what I have to say is, uh, every game of uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid is something like a, a revenge mode for Barcelona. They have huge motivation. They are they they mm, give the I see, I see that, what you mean. Uh, their eye, they have a special gleam in their eye, regardless of the final result, because we have seen Real uh, winning many games of this matchup. Uh, Barcelona, excuse me. Uh, I think Barcelona enters that these kind of games with an extra chip on their shoulder. Now, does this always, uh, you know, uh, is this the, the factor that always pushes them to, to the win? Does hmm. uh, 
the systems that we know the time, no. But I think that uh, Barcelona, yes. This is another thing that uh, Barcelona can, uh, can aim to do right now, to become the first EuroLeague team this season to beat uh, Real Madrid at home and on, uh, in Madrid, to beat Real in Madrid. And mm-hmm. there's something else at stake right now. It's the fact that uh, if Barcelona wins this game, then they have the huge upper hand for uh, huge, a big upper hand, a big advantage for the first place in the standings because uh, Real Madrid, they're traveling to, to Turkey to face Fenerbahce tomorrow in a postponed EuroLeague Day game. Uh, regardless uh, of, of this result, if Barcelona wins, they have the advantage. But if uh, Fenerbahce beats Real Madrid, a reminder that Fenerbahce, of course, played without Jan Vesely, without Nando de Colo, but they come from uh, a big defeat on the road against Olympia Milano. Sure. So they're they are in a good in they are in a, in a good shape in Euroleague at least. Uh, Real Madrid will be twenty four, and uh, Barcelona will have the opportunity to to go up and cut them, um, cut up with them in the in the twenty wins. So yes, I believe Barcelona can uh, can be the first team to beat the Real Madrid. But regardless of what you said about the domestic league uh, matches, because and the paradox that we see. That both teams have won, uh, have uh, all the team, both teams have lost uh, multiple games at home in Spain. Real Madrid exactly, has yes. four defeats at home. Barcelona has three defeats at home, and uh, Yay Valencia, who has beaten both of them uh, on the road. But anyway, it's a completely different thing. Uh, you know, we, we don't have to, to to confuse this. To I believe what the team does in the in domestic league matches. And what the Euroleague team does uh, in Euroleague in this competition, I don't think that uh, honestly, you know, uh, of course, no player enters a game, and uh, every player that enters a game wants to win. No player enters the game, you know, thinking that uh, he's not going to give everything to win. But I don't think mm-hmm. that uh, domestic league matches, you know, provide the same motivation for a player to to compete to give it everything, and it's natural because the the schedule in Euroleague is so hectic. You have um, the schedule in Euroleague and domestic league. The player sometimes, perhaps, uh, you know, they think that uh, they can't put the same amount of en- the same amount of energy, of effort. They have to balance their energy, they have to balance their effort, they have to balance their stamina, and they cannot give their all sometimes in a domestic league game. But they have to do that in Euroleague because uh, in the end, mm. at the end of the road, you can make mm. up. For some domestic league uh, losses, you can't make up for the Euroleague losses in Euroleague as it's the motto of the competition. Actually, every game matters, and uh, exactly, and this is very true. So uh, you have to give your everything in Euroleague, and players, you know, uh, from one point onward, they have to decide where they they will distribute their energy. Mm. Will they give their all in a domestic league game or in a? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. I, I agree with that in the sense of, uh, you know, we're talking about two teams with uh, the motivation to win the EuroLeague. Um, in general, I don't think uh, that's always the case because um, as we've seen mostly with uh, teams that are placed even in the low tier of the standings in the EuroLeague right now or in other competitions, I believe that sometimes the domestic league and performance there whether it's uh, successful or not it kind of affects those teams but 
I'm not sure if it does that. As you said, in teams of a, a top caliber like uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, yeah, of course they will they will have to put more weight on the Euroleague. Uh, it's a lot at stake uh, with these games. There's no rest day. Like, let's say, okay, we're playing a, a domestic league game and it's it's okay if we lose. We're still going to make the playoffs. And it's not like that in the Euroleague. I will, say, I will give you this example. Uh, Nemanja Nedovic of Panathinaikos mm-hmm. didn't travel to Barcelona for the game against Barcelona uh, for resting reasons because yes. rest. Panathinaikos right now in Euroleague, let's be realistic right now, they, they don't have uh, any luck to be in the playoffs. It will be a miracle of amazing proportions. Mm-hmm. I think that even this miracle can happen right now for Panathinaikos to make the playoffs. So the team, what do they do? They have the, the final eight of the Greek Cup right now. Yes. Uh, and uh, they have to they have to, to decide where mm-hmm. they will they, they will pay the, they, will, they will give the, the final four, sorry, the final four of the Greek Cup, not the final eight. I was thinking in international terms. So uh, ah. they decided to keep Nedovic in Athens because they were facing Barcelona and yes, that all, was odds, all odds were against them. So in a sense, yeah, they made the decision. Why, why, you know, take Nedovic at uh, Barcelona mm. and use him in perhaps in a game that uh, we can't win in any way. I know that yeah. uh, this may seem a little bit uh, fatalistic, if you will. This may seem like uh, not the ideal for a Euro club, especially for a Euroleague team like Panathinaikos, with the history that Panathinaikos has, but it was a, realis- a realistic assessment of the situation right now. The situation of Panathinaikos is in, should we bring Dedovic to the journey and, you know, uh, mm. risk perhaps uh, an injury and, uh, you know, uh, uh, risk fatigue, put uh, extra pressure on him or keep him in offense in order to rest. So they did their choice. and mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, it makes sense in that way. Nemanja Nedovic had to score 38 points in a domestic game, in a domestic game against uh, Larissa. And uh, Panathinaikos got a narrow win. They won just 90-86. So if Nedovic didn't score 38 points in this game, yeah. he was tired. <laughs> From uh, the loss of uh, the loss to Barcelona, from a loss to Barcelona, for the trip to Barcelona, who knows? Maybe Panathinaikos could have won. But anyway, if he was tired, maybe he wouldn't score 38 points with eight three-pointers, by the way, and maybe Panathinaikos <laughs> would have lost. Now, the loss to Larissa would hurt Panathinaikos a lot more than a loss to Barcelona, because mm-hmm. yeah, in the, for in sure. the right now, it's it's about Olympiacos and Panathinaikos, and which team is going to have the home court advantage in the finals. This is the situation in Greece over the last couple of years, over many years, yep. over the last decades, if you will, uh, with the exception of uh, the last couple of years that Olympiacos wasn't actually in the first division. So yeah, Panathinaikos made a decision. And uh, top-tier EuroLeague teams, uh, as you said, they don't have to make these decisions because they can't make up uh, for... Um, in the domestic uh, in the, the domestic league, but the the big goal is Euroleague right now. So for Panathinaikos, Panathinaikos right now, to be honest, they don't have any big goals in Euroleague. There are other teams that they don't have big goals in Euroleague. Uh, TJ Parker, Parker, the coach of Asvel, basically said a similar thing uh, after after FS after the loss to FS. 
even though uh, Asvel was uh, was very competitive in, in this game and uh, FS was in danger, they actually uh, got the win uh, thanks to a four-quarter performance. TJ Parker said that their goal is not the playoffs. He said that their goal, the goal of Asvel, is to be better and uh, get some results and improve and grow. Mm-hmm. It's clear that uh, the focus of Asvel, you know, not making the playoffs will mean nothing for Asvel. Not winning the French League, this is the true failure for us. Yes, that would hurt them. And, and this applies to other teams as well. This, the same applies for Alba Berlin, for example. Uh, the same applies, of course, for, Zal- for Zalgiris uh, this season, because Zalgiris this season has been a disaster. The same applies for Cervenas Vesta. This yes, exactly. I, I'm not, I'm it's not where to... you have to put your focus, basically. You have to to ditch one league to focus on the other because, you know, at, le- at the end of the day, all it matters is to, you know, make the best run possible. On the other hand, Bayern Munich, uh, that was a struggler in EuroLeague in its previous appearances, you know, they have become... Uh, they made the playoffs last season for the first time in, uh, in the history of the club. And now they are aiming again to make the playoffs. Monaco, which would have been in the same page as uh, as well, you know, mm-hmm. have a pretty good streak right now. They have been winning one game after the other right now. They're in a super momentum and they're aiming for the playoffs. They're in a completely different situation than as well. You know, Monaco is 12-12, as well is 9-15. It's a huge difference between those teams. And uh, Monaco right now is uh, at the ninth spot. So pretty much into competition. Past, you gave me the assist, Abigoni, to ask you: this. <laughs> Can Monaco pull off uh, this small miracle, if you will? You know, uh, I have to say that uh, Monaco sports director Oleksiy Yefimov told me ages ago, <laughs> during the a little after the the basketball Champions League final four of 2018 in Athens, where Monaco lost to Twike in the final. They told me that uh, Monaco is a place that uh, miracles uh, happen. And uh, if someone told me mm-hmm. back then that Monaco would play in Euroleague three years afterward, I would tell them that uh, you know hey. he's, he's a bit crazy. But they made the Euroleague, and now they are they are dreaming of making the playoffs. Can Monaco Adigoni make the playoffs? Well, uh, that's an interesting discussion to have let's uh let's begin by saying that with all situation currently i think monaco is one of the teams that has the benefit to have played most all actually all but one uh, of its uh, rescheduled games and i'm saying that because the worst is over the pressure is over you have to focus on the games ahead and provided of course that you have a healthy team and no covid struggle happens But we also have to look at the upcoming schedule of the team. They have, uh, let's say, games uh, ahead of them with uh, playoffs contenders, which is a really huge deal. And uh, it will take some extra effort, you know, to achieve that. They play against Fenerbahce at home. They play on the road against Barca. Then they face FS at home, uh, Onyx as well. Uh, Olympiacos, and then they travel to Milan on the road and Ceseca. Uh If you look at it, y- you'll see it's a very difficult schedule for uh, 
so <laughs> I don't know if Monaco can pull the miracle. They sure have the chance to do so, but uh, there are games that will have to take more concentration, especially the one against Jessica, because Jessica is also aiming not just for the playoffs. I, I believe they hope to get a home court advantage if they keep up a, a good pace uh, for the, the remainder of the regular season. So Jessica has uh, the motivation to go out there and win the game with uh, an 18 point difference if uh, if that happens that will win the tiebreaker so really uh difficult schedule for monaco i believe they have the the assets to do so that mike james has been on top form this season probably the best mike james we've seen uh, especially in the last games um the best, I don't know. Do you mean the, the, best, the best Mike James, uh, not because uh, he scores a lot, because, the, because this is the Mike James that has been... Italy and, you know, as as a whole player, you see. He has been a more, yeah, a more complete player, a more, uh, he has uh, paying attention to his playmaking duties. He doesn't forget, of course, to make buckets when he's needed, but especially in the last couple of games, we have seen a more a more balanced, if you will, Mike James. See a coaching change. Coaching change could go a long way sometimes, um, and this seemed to be the case for Mike James and Monaco, I believe. Um, if they can pull this off, I don't know. Probably, uh, but a really tough schedule ahead. You are very, very, very right that you only have a truly difficult schedule ahead. But I think that Bayern is the big winner regarding difficult schedules because. Really, seriously, check this out. The play against the FS on the road. By the way, we don't have a, a date yet scheduled for this match. I don't know why. Yes, for some reason. EuroLeague, it's a, a round 19 game. EuroLeague, please. Are you there, EuroLeague? Uh, like, and, are, you you know, there, uh, are you there, EuroLeague? A plea for Euroleague about that yeah, is that the teams have to have to know the schedule because uh, I, I was thinking and uh, we were talking about it off the record that uh, in March there are at least six games for the teams. If that game happens for Bayern in March, that will be very tough. Imagine the schedule and the traveling and all of that. Uh, no rest, basically. And we talked about the, the hectic schedule that EuroLeague uh, Euroleague teams uh, are, and imagine what would happen in March. It would be, it would be a nightmare. Uh, anyway, Bayern Munich, uh, we talked about Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich is, I don't know if uh, they should celebrate this win, that they are the winner of the, of the most difficult schedule, because check this out. They have, as we said, they have a fest on the road, they have Fener on the road, they have Ceseca at home, they have Olympiacos at home, they have Unix on the road, Milano on the road, Zenit mm -hmm. at home, Real Madrid on the road. This truly takes the cake of difficulty, of craziness. Bayern sure going, it does. Bayern Munich is going to give so many, so many extremely difficult uh, battles because they face powerhouses on the road and the face teams that are able to do the damage on the road for example uh, Olympiacos okay they haven't been really consistent on the road uh, Olympiacos but uh, they, they beat Bayern easily at home they crushed them actually and uh, we talked about how Olympiacos showed uh, a bit of an improvement uh, last week by being uh, 
by almost winning in Madrid, and then they, they took actually the win in Vitoria against Basconia. Uh, Unix Kazan, uh, we have seen uh, what uh, how Unix means business this season, and we are not mentioning Unix among the teams that uh, may make the playoffs after a long time, uh, because Unix last made the playoffs back in uh, 2012. But because long time ago, <laughs> yeah, Unix already is in a bit of a better position in comparison with other teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, now Unix has uh, is 13-10 at his seventh right now in the Euroleague standings. But we will talk about uh, uh, we will analyze the Unix situations in another podcast. And uh, Bayern, then uh, of course, there's Tseseka. Uh, they face Tseseka at home, and you know Tseseka is Tseseka no matter the fact that. This day, this is not the Tseseka of previous seasons that was truly unbeatable. That uh, it was the undisputed, you know, first place team in Euroleague. But this is still Tseseka Moscow and uh, a very, very dangerous powerhouse. And I will also add the game against Panathinaikos uh, on the road because Panathinaikos. We said that Panathinaikos has its problems. That Panathinaikos, from one point onward, they are not paying much attention in Euroleague, or at least. As much attention as they are paying to the domestic uh, obligations, but they're going to want to win at home. They're going to, you know, fans will be at Oaka, and uh, we'll see how many fans because yeah, there is a ten percent. Yeah, only only a thousand uh, fans can attend the game, but maybe this hopefully this will change, you know, and the coronavirus uh, measures will be uh, loosen up a bit, but and. Uh, There's Zenit, of course. Zenit can do damage, so it's going to be really, really, really uh, difficult for Bayern Munich. That has the same record as Monaco, 12-12, but Monaco has uh, already beaten Bayern twice, so they have an advantage. And an advantage if we see uh, a tie between uh, these two sides. So Adigoni, if, if I will, <laughs> if I have to ask you, Adigoni or Bayern for the playoffs? Your the answer is obvious for you. Mm, no, no, I don't oh, know. Not. All right. It's it's not. I, you know, as we said, uh, I believe it's going to be chaos, especially uh, in February, late February, early March. That will be chaos. That then I will be able to give you an answer. So <laughs> not at the moment. I'm a bit, you know, skeptical still. Well. I, I will. I will have to say that uh, even though Bayern is uh, the more experienced team of the two, it's a more experienced uh, squad. They know how to make the playoffs. They have played in Euroleague uh, for many seasons. Monaco plays in Euroleague for the first time in its career. Of course, they have experienced players, and they are led by someone like Mike James, who has been there, done that, uh, eat the cake, wore the t-shirt, and the whole Magilla. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will say I will say Monaco. I believe in Monaco. I believe uh, they have uh, what they have. Monaco is an experienced coach, Sasha Obradovich, and uh, even though some players are not experienced when it comes to Euroleague, they are experienced. For example, Donatas Motiyunas. Donatas Motiyunas has yes, right. in Euroleague a lot, but he is a highly experienced um, player. So that's on paper, of course, Monaco has has all of these assets. So you cannot rule out uh, their effectiveness. Yes, and there's that. I believe that Monaco has, um, I wouldn't say more depth, but they have some weapons that have been uh, extremely hot recently. 
and um, I, th I think that they can do some uh, some uh, some crazy damage. I mean, when when all their uh, their weapons are working, and when the team is uh, doing what uh, what they have in their plan to do, then they are uh, they are extremely dangerous. So we will see anyway. But uh, as we as we talked about uh, before, this. Uh, this battle is long. This battle is going to be big, and uh, anything can happen uh, in Euroleague. But uh, for now, for round uh, 26, all eyes are on Clásico Real Madrid Barcelona Friday, uh, 8:45 uh, CT, a quarter, uh, a quarter to nine, if you will. Stay tuned and uh, enjoy it. And we hope you enjoyed also our podcast, right, Adigoni? Exactly. Uh, and uh, all of the questions we raised throughout it, I, I know every EuroLeague fan thinks of at the moment, uh, and it will intensify more with uh, the speculations about the playoffs. We're going to be discussing more and more and more things about the playoffs in our upcoming uh, shows. But for now, Adigoni, where can people find us? You can always uh, follow and listen to the Eurohoop pod on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and on anchor.fm slash Eurohoops. And you can keep checking Eurohoops.net for free news, everything basically uh, surrounding European and not just uh, basketball. All right. So that's a wrap for uh, today. Thank you, guys and girls and ladies and gents for, uh, for listening uh, to us. And uh, thank you, Adigoni. Adigoni Zahari, co-host, for being uh, with me, uh, with us. And uh, from Adigoni and from me, Adonis uh, Sogilakis, thank you. Thank you all and stay tuned, stay safe and uh, wear your masks, please. We'll see you on our next uh, show, our next episode. Bye. <laughs>